Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for gathering around the fire, per se, with me here on The Hiker Podcast. It's not a real fire. It's just background noises I got. That's okay. We can pretend. My name is Andy Neal. I'm a new hiker, and I started this podcast uh, a few weeks ago to talk to people in the outdoor and hiking community to find out about what inspires them to hike and how hiking has changed them. I not only want to know about what is the best gear to use, should I have boots or trail runners, whatever, whatnot. I want to find out about the person behind the trekking poles and what inspires them and how they are inspired by hiking. So I started the Hiker Podcast. Like I said, if you want to find out all the different ways to listen, go to hikerpodcast.com. Our socials are there. Also, you can leave an Apple Podcast review. An Apple Podcast review is one of the greatest ways to support the show. Leave a written one, put five stars, and leave a little comment. We have our first one. I'm so excited. Uh, it's from username Tantalizing. Uh, the crackling fire was a wonderful background. Thank you so much. I'm excited to listen along. Thank you so much. Five stars there. Some other people have left five-star reviews, but they haven't lived, like left written ones. So leave a five-star review. Write it up. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts is still the king of podcasts. So that's how Google and algorithms find the best podcasts. And the more reviews, positive reviews, a podcast has, the easier it is for people to find. So if you could do me a huge favor, if you like what you're listening to, leave a review. Also thinking about possibly starting a Patreon of some sort so I can spend more time on this. Um, If that's something you'd be interested in, let me know. Go to uh, hikerpodcast.com, click email. Or just email Andy at hikerpodcast.com. Let me know what you think and what some good rewards to be. Also, you could email me about ideas for the show, uh, guests to have on. I've already had a few people email me. Super excited. Thank you so, so much. Make sure you do follow me on all the various social media networks. Uh, great way to keep up with what's going on. You can follow me uh, at Andy Films and Hikes on Instagram or just follow the Hiker Podcast at Hiker Podcast on the Instagram This week, I am super excited to get past my own home, to get past the state of Oregon. Last week, we talked about Oregon. We talked about Hike Oregon and Keep Oregon Green. The week before that, we talked about my story. But we're going to cross the Pacific Ocean and talk to New Zealander Elena Tip Tap Osborne, who hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, the 2,650 mile, for those of you who are not in the United States, that's 4,270 kilometer trail that from that runs from mexico to canada through california oregon and washington she did this in 2019 and made a documentary film about it called it is the people and it was selected for the new zealand mountain film festival which was just a few weeks ago i'd encourage you to go to her youtube channel right now stop this recording go watch that documentary and she has amazing other videos on there about her journey it's like a whole um chronicle of like 10 other videos about her journey on the Pacific Crest Trail that really is cinematic in its production. And it's it's a vlog, but it's a documentary. It's verite, but it's not. And I just, I fell in love with what she was doing as she was releasing them. I just couldn't wait for the next one to drop. Go check out her stuff. And uh, I had the opportunity to talk to her a few weeks ago about not only the Pacific Crest Trail and prepping for that, but her journey as a creator and as a filmmaker and how she created this documentary. So I encourage you guys to go check out her stuff before you even listen to it. Stop, go to the description, click on her stuff, check it out, and then uh, come back here and listen to this amazing interview we had with Elena Tip Tap Osborne. But if you already have watched her stuff, which many of you have, uh, go ahead and sit back and relax and enjoy this interview. We're going to have a quick, a quick word from our sponsor, anchor and i have some questions about how the sponsors work i'm just gonna dress it really really quick uh so the way the sponsors work for this show right now is that it's much like youtube it's like every time it gets played i get so many cents i'm not making a whole lot of money from it i think i've made a dollar off three episodes so if you are someone like sawyer or rei or you know waymark packs who would like to sponsor this this show you know for maybe a little more than pennies on the episode I'd be willing to listen to you. I'd be willing to have a conversation with that though. um, Thank you all for listening and enjoy this interview with uh, Elena tip tap Osborne right after a word from our sponsor. 
Hey there, hikers. This is Andy coming to you from the beautiful land of Ashland, Oregon. And on the line here, I have many of you may know her as Tip Tap, Elena Osborne, who has the amazing YouTube channel about her journey on the Pacific Crest Trail. Elena, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on this show. This is the third episode of the Hiker Podcast and so excited that we were able to get you on now and just, I I was telling you before the show that you have been an inspiration to so many hikers around in my area here in Ashland, but also to my son who's now obsessed with the PCT and he holds you up there with Darwin and Dixie as just amazing hikers who make amazing content. So thank you so much for doing what you do and just being an awesome creator. Oh man, that's just insane that I'm put up there in those names. So no, I feel very honored that people are inspired what by um, yeah the things that I've put out there. So before we get into hiking, just give us a little bit of background about yourself, who you are, what where you come from, what you do. A bit of background. Uh, well, I guess I grew up in uh, West Auckland in New Zealand. Um, I come from a family of seven, so I have four siblings. Uh, I'm the middle child, so smack bang in the middle. And I guess I went on to, I studied communications. I got a Bachelor of Communications, majored in video production and kind of the digital side of things. Very, a very broad uh, degree. Um, so, you know, you find your interest there. And, uh, From there, I guess I went on to creating video content for different companies. I was able to travel a bit and yeah, then went on to hike the PCT in 2019. It's crazy because it's been, I mean, I look back at this time last year and I was in the Sierra. So um, that's, I guess, a bit about me. So right now, if you're listening to this later on, we are in the midst of the, uh, the the pandemic right now. How are things in New Zealand? I know your, your your government went very hard against the virus and has done a really good job of of being able to contain it the best they can. How how are you doing given the current situation in the world? Yeah, it's um pretty insane. Uh, yeah, we did go, um, we did act pretty fast and went straight into lockdown despite there being not that many cases. Um, as of, I think it's been almost two weeks now where we've, everything has been lifted. So we had 24 days straight of no new cases. So they announced, you know, that community spread was not happening. Therefore all, all restrictions could be lifted. So as of now we are in what they call level one, which is, yeah, we're not really required to any social distancing. Everything is opened up again. Um, You know, the financial market is obviously hurting, but otherwise it feels, everything feels really normal, which is kind of crazy when I look, you know, at what's happening, what is still happening overseas. So, um, yeah, in a very different place. Oh, I envy you right now. I still can't go to a restaurant. So yeah, no, that's it's kind of a weird feeling. I went to they started um, the rugby season again, so rugby is obviously oh, wow. massive in New Zealand, and you know all those big sports games all across the world are no longer haven't been able to play or like have crowds. So they started. We had our first one last weekend. Massive crowd. Um, out in Eden Park in Auckland. And uh, it was kind of surreal being surrounded by so many people. And it was this weird feeling of, man, nobody else in the world right now can have these kinds of events. Uh, And it was very, it was exciting. Uh, You say in your videos, being from New Zealand, there's no excuse to not be into hiking. Mm -hmm. But what was that time or that moment where, or that trail or that time where you're like, you know what? I have fallen in love with the trail. It was there a time, a moment, in time, or was it just a slow progression? Uh, I think it. I think it was a slow progression, but there definitely was a moment. Uh, and with that phrase, when I wrote it and said it in in that video, I also was very aware it comes from a place of privilege. You know, there obviously there are reasons why people can't go hiking. You know, there's 
there are you have to be in a financial position to even you know mm-hmm. invest in gear and all of that but i guess with that the whole thing around new zealand and hiking is that trails yeah i mean even a little walk a day hike is very very accessible uh but in terms of a moment for me where it was like yes i do love this uh, I think I went on my first multi-day hike. It must have been in maybe early 2015 or 2016. And uh, I think from then on, I realized that it was something I wanted to do more regularly beyond the day hike. And so then when I decided to travel and live in the States for a year, I realized, I recognized how many more trails there were and how different the terrain was because I was so used to New Zealand hiking, which is all very green, very, mm-hmm. uh, I guess more similar to what the, what hiking in the East coast, maybe the Appalachian trail, not dissimilar to that or similar to Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. So when I realized, you know, I was going to be overseas in the States and there was so many different, you know, there was desert hiking, there was, you know, hiking in, I don't know, Moab and Zion, um, that really drew me in even more. Uh, and yeah, I guess it just grew pretty exponentially. You, you've gotten into hiking, you enjoy it so much. At what point did you say, hey, I want to hike the PCT. Mm. I go back to, I mean, like most people, I feel like uh, before YouTube was more uh, popular in terms of uh, capturing the trail, uh, you know, I found out the way most people find out, which was reading the book Wild. I still haven't seen, yes. the, I still haven't seen the film, but I think I – it's funny because I don't particularly remember the story. All I remember learning, well, the main takeaway for me was that, wow, there is a long trail in the United States that goes from Mexico to Canada. Uh, and I read that many, many years ago. And that kind of just sat in the back of my mind, never as an idea that was really forefront. You know, it wasn't this mm-hmm. thing I'd been planning for years and years. But I think it was a little bit by chance in 20. 18 in the latter part of the year where I was looking for a new adventure. Um, I guess I wasn't super attached to my job. Um, I'd ended a relationship, you know, when you have all those kinds of uh, attachments, you're less likely to go kind of just break off and do something completely different. And because I recognized I was in a position where I didn't have anything I was extremely attached to, I was ready for some kind of big adventure. And then, you know, that little seed that was in the back of my mind came to the forefront and I was like, (laughs) actually this, it's time, you know, it's time to go do this. And I, so I didn't prepare for that long. I mean, I only was able to confirm my permit in January. So, but by then I was already kind of putting in the groundwork to start preparing probably in November of 2018 and then yeah set off in april of 2019 it's amazing how much that that book wild has inspired so many people i know just a quick story about myself i'm on the southern oregon film commission here we work with with hollywood to bring films here and we're actually putting up a memorial placards of where the film wild was filmed in ashland oh. uh, because we realize what a big deal it is. And we're kind of hoping to have like a little mini PCT days to celebrate the film before PCT days up and bend every year once all this clears up. But it's amazing that this, the culture that that, that film has created. And I remember when Reese Witherspoon was here in town, it was this huge deal. And that's before I even knew about the PCT. Now it's like this huge, amazing thing. So you decide you want to go on this trail and what did the discussion look like with your family that you wanted to go and hike for four and a half months in the United States, and what did the discussion look like to bring your brother along, and how did you get him to come? Oh, well, it's actually very, a very kind of underwhelming story. Um, I, you know, I decided, cool, I want to go do this. I told, you know, I told my parents, and they're like, okay, yep, nothing new, just Eleanor going off and doing her thing again. Uh, even when I told my friends, none of them were surprised or 
super excited i mean they were excited but they were like yep okay this isn't a surprise you know we expect you to do this kind of thing uh yeah i think one of my friends just turned to me and was like of course you're doing that eleanor (laughs) i was like yeah (laughs) cool i'm glad i've built this reputation um but with my brother yeah i mean he was kind of in between university trying to decide what his next step was and i decided you know, I want to go do this. So I just kind of went up to him and I said, Hey, Kento, I think I'm going to go hike the Pacific Crest Trail. It goes from Mexico to Canada. I don't know. It takes about four to five months. Uh, do you want to come? And he had never hiked. Uh, he'd ne- never done an overnight hike before. Um, yeah, wasn't really into hiking at all, actually. And just turned to me and was like, yeah, okay. And it was just that simple the next day he came to me and was like so I figured out all the gear that I need to get I'm gonna have to do all these and I was just in shock you know he hadn't been that motivated for something in so long and had done his research overnight and it's kind of one of those things once you have the idea that you want to do it you just get so engrossed it completely envelops you and your whole being is just like yes I need to go do this thing um and that can be you know in a lot of different areas but I feel like a long hike it you know completely takes a hold of you was there ever anyone friends or family who were like this is crazy uh I'm trying to think I mean I feel like you say it to people and people say, yeah, that's crazy. Um, how, I think the biggest thing is how, you know, how does that work? How do you get your food? How can you walk every day? Um, and I think, yeah, I think I had friends like that and probably my grandparents, but at the same time, because so many people have done it now, uh, it definitely seems more possible, uh, than, before and I guess because there's such a great trail community and a lot of people out there doing it it doesn't seem so unfathomable absolutely so you've applied for your permit you get the permit you get your start date outside of the logistics the getting your visa insurance all that stuff how did you prepare mentally for the trail and what is something different you wish you would have done now that you've Hike the trail. Mm. Well, I I did read that book, Pacific Crest Trials. Uh, I think it's written by Zach Davis. I don't want to get the name wrong, who runs the trek. Uh, and um, Ellie, yeah, I'm going to have to, you're going to have to fact check me on that one. Um, but I read that book and it talks about, you know, it's all about your mental preparation uh, because, you know, there's so much, to prepare logistically and physically um, that you can often forget about your mental preparation. And I'm just going to correct the authors of that book. And it was Zach Davis and Carly Mori. Yeah. So I read that and that kind of talked about, you know, having your purpose, having your why. And that kind of helped me out in in the sense where I had a little note on my phone of, you know, if I got to a point where I felt like giving up, I would look at that and read this little note I'd written to myself, this letter or whatever of why I was heading out there. I actually didn't need to read that or refer to it once on trial. I think I read it kind of for fun towards the end, just to remember what I'd said to myself. But in terms of what I would do differently, I think I would just think about uh, I didn't have any expectations in terms of what my hike would look like. So I didn't have expectations on hiking with a trail family or hiking by myself. I kind of decided, you know, if something feels right, if I get a good feeling with people, I will go for it. If uh, I don't, then I'll listen to my intuition, which played out well for me the thing I would probably change would maybe set myself in a more clear intention of uh what not letting other people maybe determine 
how I hiked, you know, feeling mm-hmm. more independent in a way. I think because it was my first through hike, maybe I had, I placed maybe a little bit more dependence on people in terms of, you know, uh, fulfillment or social fulfillment or whatever, as opposed to saying, you know, maybe I'll take two days and hike by myself and camp by myself. So next time differently, I might, I think I would just be more confident in making decisions alone and saying, Hey, I'm going to go hike and camp alone for a couple of days. Uh, but at the same time, I really enjoyed it. And I feel like if I changed it, the whole experience would be a little bit different, but that's the thing for next time. Just knowing, um, you know, what I want out of it and being more brave in making those independent decisions. That's awesome. Uh, and it's funny because you, you, you see that growth within your videos. You watch the first video and you talk about how cringeworthy it is that you're trying so hard to make friends. <laughs> yeah. And then you're basically, you know, congolating to the North Terminus at the, at the end with these people who you've just, you've connected with. Um, with, with that though, how important is your connection with, with people along the trail and how do you choose or how do you like fall into a quote unquote trail family? Cause there's so many people going up and down the trail. How do you, you go there not knowing anyone and then you just fall in line with these, you know, 11 people eventually by the time you hit Washington, how does that develop? How does that happen? Yeah. Um, so I guess the beginnings, I feel like quite naturally you kind of hike, you begin the trail, I guess if you're, this is your first time through hiking, uh, and you kind of build bonds and potentially a trail family with people who hike the same pace as you. That's the most natural way. Um, and but that's necessarily not the best thing because you may hike the same pace, but you might not have the same, I guess, uh, values and what you want out of the hike, or you might not even connect, uh, I don't know, in a deeper way at the same time, because you're going through so many experiences, you generally build those relationships anyway. Um, which is, I think the cool thing about the trail, because, you know, people, maybe you didn't expect to become friends with, you become really close with, uh, you know, which is cool because I feel like, you know, it's easy to get into your own little bubble in um, a regular life. Uh, And in terms of the way, how I ended up in a trail family of 11, they had all, I mean, they had an established trail family essentially. And um, they had all gone through the Sierra together. They, but they kind of, you know, some people left and quite naturally, especially as you're going into the latter half of the hike, you're really deciding for yourself, how do I want the rest of my hike to look like? Do I want to be hiking alone more? Do I want to be meeting new people? And it just so happened that at that timing, yeah, during that time, the trail family that I'd kind of hiked with in the Sierra, we were kind of all splitting off a little bit and deciding what we wanted to do individually. So what ended up happening was that, I guess, three of the people I'd been hiking with in the Sierra kind of we merged with this other trail family and we all recognized that we, you know, wanted the same things out of the rest of our hike, which was, uh, you know, just having a lot of fun, making it more exciting, having new conversations with people Um, because you hike with people for so long. I'd hiked with most of the um, like Irish and Lucy and, um, some others for so long that it's interesting. You run out of conversation in a way, <laughs> you know, you cool. what do you have for breakfast? Uh, um, you know, oats, uh, a bar. Um, couscous again. Yeah. So tell me about your family for the 10th time or, you know? Um, so I think having meeting new people in the second half of the trail, you have all these exciting new conversations and a kind of, revitalizes your hike in a sense um and I don't know if I'm really answering your question here at all oh you are you are yeah (laughs) but yeah I think it's it's a very it felt like a very natural progression it was nothing that ever felt forced or pre 
you know, organized beforehand. And that was something I was kind of against in terms of, yeah, organizing who to hike with before I started the trail because you don't know what it's going to be like out there. You don't know, yeah, if you want to hike in the same way. So it's the same thing going back to your intuition, right? We just, does it, does this feel right? Do I get along with these people? Cool. I will, you know, keep going. Very nice. So along the trail, you're meeting all kinds of people. Let's talk a second about trail angels. Uh, I first got into being a trail angel, driving Uber. Uber was first made legal here in Ashland this summer. And I began to pick up PCT hikers from Callahan's, bring them to Ashland. And I enjoyed them so much. I'm like, I'm turning the Uber button off here. I'm just going to go wait by the trail and pick people up and take them because they were just so much fun. And I was just getting into hiking. Um, and the PCT hikers are always some of my favorite people to have in my car, so much so that I decided to drive them for free um, because they're just so just the stories and just the, the camaraderie I was sensing from them and the good vibes I was getting from them was just making me a better person. Oh, that's so cool. But how, how was it for you to receive trail magic or connect with trail angels along the way? People who just, you know, they just do this, you know, because they love the, the, the PCT hikers. Oh. And is there a specific, is there a particular trail angel you just want to be like, this one was just like it? Oh, man, they're just all incredible. You know, it it takes a certain kind of person to just be so selfless and giving and have so much love for the hiking community. You, Your heart is just filled completely, you know, when you – encounter these people because you can see they're just doing it because they love to be a part of it and they don't expect anything in return and you know you obviously want to give them something in return but you can tell that it's not coming from that place it's coming from a place of I just want to be a part of this incredible community I mean you've got the iconic um, people you know Scout and Frodo who had, um, you know, decided to close down. Well, this was going to be their final year, and yeah. um, you know, because of COVID, couldn't end up running it. But they, you know, what the kind of systems they had in place were incredible, and just was this really cool experience of being a complete noob and um, rocking up and being surrounded by other complete noobs as well essentially and having you know these uh warm voices of Scott and Frodo who would kind of give you this little bit of guidance and then yeah along the way there are so many you know at um Hiker Heaven and Casa de Luna um those were the I guess the iconic stops and then there are the people who just you know the people that fill up the water caches those are the kind of Mm. unsung heroes as well because generally you don't see them but they're doing really really important work and helping out hikers so much uh the the experiences you have where you don't expect it at all as well and you just come around a corner and you just kind of want to cry because you've had a really rough day and I think being a trail angel is such an important or really cool part of the um, experience and something that, you know, when I was out there, I felt like I need to return the favor and I would, I really want to come out and do some kind of trail magic and trail angel experience just to give back in that way. Um, but yeah, so that's really cool that you were giving rides. I will just say that Ashland was top three towns. I loved Ashland. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Oh man. Which which leads me to my next question. This was actually my next question. You said in the video, not much happened in Ashland. And I remember I didn't film much in Ashland. Yeah. yeah. And um I because I remember I was waiting, like they're gonna get to Ashland soon, they're gonna cross oh, the side, they're gonna get to Silver Valley, get to Ashland to see Callahan's, and it's just like this, you know, vertical video celebrating birthdays, and you're like, Yeah, I didn't film much in Ashland. Yeah. You don't have to answer this, but what happened in Ashland? Oh, I mean, I'll answer it. It's just, it, we just had way too much fun, really. Um, so we got there, and yeah, it was two, we had double birthdays. So Katana was turning, I think, 29, and um, Eleven was turning 26, and their birthdays was, yeah, were a day apart. And we got in, we, you know, had to 
boosted essentially to get into town that night. So we're all very excited to get in and be able to celebrate their birthdays. Um, yeah, we went to a bar that night and, uh, I think, I mean, it, it wasn't complete carnage, but we went to a, we went to a karaoke bar. Um, we'd been talking about karaoke for days on end and we're like oh man it's not going to happen and we were walking down the street and I overheard somebody say oh yeah we're going to go to karaoke and I was like did you say karaoke I just kind of went up to them and they're like yeah it's right across the street so we all piled into this karaoke bar um and had just a great time I uh I mean, I'm not going to be humble here. And I, I definitely brought the house down um, with singing, you know, I'll make a man out of you uh, from the Mulan soundtrack. Uh, I may have been standing on the bar top by the end of the song. Um, <laughs> this, this, wasn't, this, wasn't o, this wasn't Orion's, was it? Oh, that sounds really familiar. It sounds very, very familiar. Um, and people thought we were locals, which is great. Um, oh, that's awesome. But, yeah, and then there was a Shakespeare play, uh, the Shakespeare, I guess, showcase that was kind of happening. The Oregon Shakespeare Festival, 10 months out of the year, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was really keen for that. And then just the people there were really lovely. We ended up, we kind of had a very bougie experience where we went to the Japanese uh, spa that's there. Yes. Yep, and I made a friend – uh, I went into a cafe and made a friend with a girl. No, actually, okay, this is a very random story, but I saw this girl walking down the street with a New Zealand um, Lonely Planet textbook, or one of those guidebooks. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was just walking around, saw, saw her walk past, and I just went up to her and I was like, hey, you're going to New Zealand? She's like, yeah, I am. Um, I'm heading down there and uh, – early next year. And I was like, cool. I'm from New Zealand. <laughs> you know, I was just in a very random mood. Um, became friends with her. She worked at a local cafe. She gave me a free coffee. And then I, um, yeah, finished the trial. She ended up back in New Zealand and we met up and we hung out That's awesome. and we're friends now. So that was another random Ashland experience. But yeah, anyway, that just, we did a lot of fun things in Ashland because there was a lot of cool things happening just really cool vibes so i'm excited yeah. for yeah hikers going through I, there ashland loves the ashland loves the hiker community and i just want to say selfishly uh you're talking about trail angels we I, I feel like we get more from you guys than you give to us really just the energy and the camaraderie we just it's a selfish thing for me i just i want to be around more hikers and it's inspired me to hike more and plan a through hike myself so it's it's selfish for us because you guys give us so much energy so thank you for that oh no um, yeah i also remember this woman was kind of up in a window somewhere and she yelled out down to the group of us and she was like hey are you guys hikers and we're like yeah and she's like you guys have amazing legs <laughs> and complimenting our legs and i was like i like this town this town is oh. great <laughs> uh, i love my home so mo- moving on to the, the the creative side of things and i don't want to talk too much about your videos because i want everyone to go subscribe to your youtube channel it is amazing um and if you're not supporting elena on patreon do the same um but you talked a little bit, you had a degree in communication with the emphasis in filmmaking. Um, but how did you really get into filmmaking and content creation? Yeah, uh, I guess from a young age, I've always been someone who picked up the camera. I was always the one filming things and trying to make fun videos, you know. And I guess that's kind of always the story with people who get into, um, I guess, filmmaking or video content creation or whatever. Uh, and you know, you get to school and it's kind of a learned behavior to, you know, dive into academics and not really pursue arts in a sense. So I kind of had shut mm-hmm. that off. But when I got to university, I actually started studying, I think I was studying like physiotherapy or something and realized that, you know, I wasn't even interested in it in the slightest. And all I wanted to do was make videos um, so I changed degrees and went and studied, yeah, communications because I, you know, it's very broad, but it also had that aspect of learning how to use a camera properly and go through that whole process. Um, and from there on, I guess I was just trying to find any excuse to make videos. So the jobs I was going into were generally 
the first job I got, um, or like, you know, adult job was uh, a very open role. And I kind of, um, for a startup company, and I kind of just molded it into being very video focused because that's what I was interested in. Um, and I'd managed to kind of keep doing that. So I suggested that this company started a YouTube channel. <laughs> so I made YouTube videos essentially for this company. Uh, and then the next job I got, after two years of being with them, I uh, also suggested for this company that I started to have a YouTube channel, <laughs> which I also worked on. So it was kind of like all this practice doing it for other people. Um, and when I finally decided to quit and go do the PCT, I decided, you know, I'm going to make some for myself, do things, create videos that I'm more interested in, uh, yeah, making. Um, and I guess that's what led me to eventually starting my own channel and putting more of my own content out there. Awesome. So your channel is really unique compared to other amazing channels out there, but it's not really a vlog. You take a more, not verite, but just a documentary style, cine, uh, cinematic style of, of a vlog that really feels like it fits into an entire film. What did your creative process look like when you decide I'm going to do this and I'm going to film every day? Because um, it looks very intentional. Mm. Yeah, so I definitely, when I set out there, I knew I wanted to film it. I knew that because the camera is such an extension of me and I recognized that this experience would be very transformational in a way, I wanted to be able to capture it. And I didn't really know what story I would tell, but I could see that, you know, there would be growth. There would be a lot of experience, new experiences and experiences with meeting a lot of interesting people from all over. And you always hear that the people out there are the most interesting thing about it because, you know, people come from a lot of different walks of life. Uh, and so yeah, when I set out there, I knew I would film every day. But in terms of the story I would tell, I wasn't completely sure. When I sat down in the edit, my intention was just to create that first short film that I kind of put out, which, you know, that mm -hmm. it is the people film. I was just going to make one big, uh, yeah, film that encapsulated the whole experience. I think I was filming every day more from a standpoint of, oh, I'll post little videos as I go along. I realized very quickly that I just wanted to be on the trail to hike and not worry about, I don't know, creating little videos as I went. I thought that would be a cool challenge, but I quickly realized that it wasn't a very good idea for me. Uh, so I sat down in the edit when I got back to New Zealand and decided, you know, I'll I'll make this one video, I'll make this one short film and, you know, encapsulate that whole experience in that film. And I posted it and I was really happy with it. And then I realized that there was a lot more to the story that I'd left out and that because I'd filmed every day, I had the opportunity to expand more on what the experience was like. Um, I think because I... I really want to get into more documentary filmmaking. Um, but right now, you know, for me, YouTube is the most accessible platform where I can literally be in the corner of my dark bedroom with my mic attached onto my camera on my beer canister, um, recording narration, you know, just it's a very easy way Mm -hmm. to create and start building and telling stories, um, you know, right from where I am. Yeah. So I guess that was my intention in terms of how I was going to tell the story, just in a narrative sense, very personal sense. Um, and I don't remember 
what else you asked, but <laughs> well, well, when when you you pick up the camera and you're on the trail, um, what I guess the best way to ask is this. What times did you decide I want to film this? And other other times, as a documentary filmmaker, you got to be like, I need to put the camera down and just experience this. What did that decision making process look like on the trail? When to pick up the camera and when to put it down? Yeah, it was hard, I guess, at the beginning because it's that feeling of, am I out here to film or am I out here to hike? Do and it's figuring out that balance, right? Um, so. I guess I went back to the whole intuition thing of when it felt right, then I would film. Sometimes, though, you do tell yourself, you know, you've just got to get the camera out. Even though you don't want to, you've just got to get it out. But I was very in the mindset where I didn't want filming to take away from my experience because there were definitely experiences and times and sunsets, you know, where I could have maybe stopped and filmed a bit more and made that a priority. But because I wanted to keep that balance, I went back to the whole kind of intuition thing. You know, does this feel right to film? Um, is this a good opportunity to ask this person some questions? Are they in, a, you know, have I've just met this person and they seem like they're really cool, but um, would they feel okay with filming? And sometimes you just have to ask and um, be uncomfortable a little bit. Um, it never hurts to ask. But, yeah, there was no, I guess, true method for that. I guess maybe in my mind I had ideas of what I wanted to capture uh, in terms of maybe like eating and food. I knew food I wanted to film just because, you know, when else in your life are you just eating Pop-Tarts by the handful? So, you know, you've got to capture those experiences. But, yeah, I don't know. There, was not re there wasn't really a true, I guess, um, method or like a shot list or you know that kind of thing yeah how did others react to you pulling out the camera i mean everyone kind of has their phones out a lot and they're mm. you know they're taking pictures but you you're out there you know with the so with a sony a7 series camera and you have your little your little gimbal camera which mm. is i love those little cameras um how did the other hikers react mm. yeah it's funny because because i feel like the camera's so much of an extension of me i forget that you know that I am pulling out something and kind of capturing others. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm just the fly on the wall, but I also realize, okay, I'm a person standing right in front of somebody with a big camera in their face. Um, I definitely, I was trying to be as kind of subtle or not subtle because that kind of makes it sound a little bit creepy, but, um, you know, I was trying to not um, be very... I guess obvious, you know, I didn't want in the same way, I, same way where I didn't want to take away from my hike. I didn't want to take from away from other people's hikes. Um, so I think, I mean, I, if I was going to film someone where I just met them, I would definitely make a point to ask them. But most of the time, the people, the times I was filming, I'd been hiking with them for a while and I'd established a relationship. I didn't feel comfortable pulling out my camera straight away when I met people. Um, and unless, yeah, and again, unless I'd asked them, but in terms of filming, you know, just things happening, you know, not necessarily asking them questions, um, I would definitely make sure that I'd had an established relationship with the person, um, mm -hmm. and they knew that I was filming. Otherwise I actually asked in our group chat, the, um, the blob, our trail family, I asked them, you know, was um, was I annoying? Like, did, was me filming kind of frustrating for you guys? Cause I realized I never asked. Um, and the answer I got was we hardly even realized you were filming half the time. And if we did, we would play up for the camera because it was a fun element to add to the hike. So from that, I get that it wasn't, it didn't, um, it wasn't a negative experience. Awesome. So let's move on to the edit. You, you get home you have this mountain of footage. Oh, man. You, you know, you, you pull it into Premiere. It's like, it's a lot of stuff. But it's said in documentary filmmaking that the story is written in the edit. And you definitely had a cinematic story you were able to tell from your own experiences. What did the edit process look like when you got home? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the story was definitely uh, born in the edit, but I was also just... <laughs> 
terrified at that prospect just because, like you said, of the mountain of footage I had. In terms of the process, I think what I'd done was, you know, I had, when you come off from something like a through hike, you just have all this creativity flowing through you because your mind has been so present for so long. It hasn't been, you know, flooded with social media and just, you know, a lot of other content. It's very in the state of just where you've been thinking for yourself and having very present thoughts for a very long time. Um, So I guess when I first got into the edit, you know, I looked over everything. I watched everything and kind of put them into timelines just chronologically, just because it made sense and looked back at what I'd captured and kind of relived everything. I think from there, I just had all these, you know, feelings and emotions that which I wrote, I just wrote and wrote. And that helped a lot. What really helped bring it all together was finding music. I think because music has that power to kind of evoke emotion without it being so obvious and saying, you know, I am, I am nostalgic right now. You know, like the song just evokes that feeling. So finding music that created that feeling helped a lot in terms of navigating where I would go. And from there it kind of all just fell into place. But it was that whole thing of, you know, so intimidating when you look at that amount of footage and you're just like where do I start and I know a lot of hikers film their hikes but not many end up putting the video together because it's so Mm -hmm. intimidating it's it's a lot of work but I think it's recognizing that it is that step-by-step process and you know breaking down okay what did I capture okay cool I've got in my head, I remember what I visually captured. Now, how did I feel? Now, what's the story that I want to tell my friends and family? How do I want them to think about my hike? How do I want to remind myself of my hike when I watch this video years later? Uh, And that, I think, helped me determine what the rest of the film or the story would look like. Very cool. Very cool. Let's pivot here to just some kind of more lighthearted questions real quick. Um, what other creators do you follow in the hiking world outside of Darwin? We all follow Darwin, but outside of Darwin. Trail, uh, trail other, Jesus. <laughs> trail Jesus. Darwin, our Lord and Savior, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what other creators do you follow? Oh, man. I mean, on YouTube, it's funny because, yeah, I didn't know much about the, uh, I guess, online or YouTube platform in terms of through hiking but uh then you know you stumble upon the likes of um john z who i feel like creates really beautiful cinematic calm you know though that kind of work to me it was you know beautiful to find and i follow him and you know there and there are people like jupiter hikes who has a balance of that with really insightful content and um really helpful things i definitely watched dixie homemade wonderless i think her tutorial videos and just you know just random kind of uh q a or how to's as um a beginner as a very beginner through hiker was very helpful mm-hmm. um but i feel like you know some channels you need them at some point in your life and then once you learn the stuff, maybe you don't need them so much. Um, in terms of hikers that create beautiful work that I really admire, man, Craig Adams, yep. incredible. So his stuff is just next level. And, uh, yeah, I mean, because he was a wedding filmmaker and just he knows his stuff. Um, so to be able to translate that to hiking and I know he was going to hike the PCT this year, but unfortunately couldn't, but yeah, yeah. The, his stuff for me is kind of like goals. <laughs> awesome, um, awesome. but yeah. And then there are people online in terms of, I guess, Instagram as well, where people 
you know, photos are incredible um, ways of capturing things. You know, people like Twerk in the Dirt who started Hiker Trash Vogue. To me, that was such a cool thing. You know, it really uh, encapsulated the community, right, of through mm-hmm. hiking. And then there are people like uh, um, Heaps, who's the Kiwi girl who hiked it twice. Her writing on her photographs is just, yeah, also incredible. I'm waiting for her to write a book. Um, yeah, so Heaps, she she won't be listening, but you should write a book. Um, I'll, I'll buy the first copy. Uh, yeah, so, no, there are so many cool creators out there, and there are so many more that I can't – list off the top of my head but yeah that's a a little idea how about you are there any that I didn't mention that you're like ah this person's really cool I think for me um my story if you listen to episode one of this uh my story of you know kind of finding myself um and then through filmmaking and then later on hiking uh second chance is really instrumental for me Mm. to really get off the couch I've lost 60 pounds since I began hiking wow congrats just to be able be able to see him and you know it was funny because before I even saw any of his videos I started um you know doing the trail angel thing I kept hearing about this I was telling people my story he's like yeah I've lost 30 pounds so far I've been hiking oh it's great you know there's this guy he's back on the trail I think his name's chance or second chance and you know he he started like back in February and he's he's going he weighed like 400 pounds and just I found his stuff so that's been for me just the and it's very it's very vloggy but just the fact that he just kept going kept going mm-hmm. was able to find himself and uh definitely has been huge for me and honestly and I, I don't say it's the fanboy, but as someone who, you know, as an adult went to film school, got a communication and film degree and found your stuff was just so amazing because you did it in this cinematic storytelling way that I hadn't seen before. It was just like, wow, this is the kind of storytelling I love as someone who works in documentary film and wants to be a documentarian. This is the merging of the two, just to kind of compliment you on that. Cause yeah, it was just like, what this is, I found it on accident. It's because, you know, your YouTube YouTube algorithm finds videos for you. You're like, oh, what's this? PCT. It's like, oh, wow, this is the content. This is it. So that's why oh, I contacted thank you. Thank you so much. That's, oh, that's really humbling to hear. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Second Chance has been huge. And, and uh, you and Darwin, of course. I mean, Darwin's just been, he's just so dynamic on camera and so encouraging that, you know, to chat with. He's just, he's an amazing guy. So love Darwin. Yeah. Um, you can just tell that he's just a great person. Are you planning to come back to the States anytime and hike the AT, CDT, the AZT? Oh man, if the States would have me, I would be there for a long, long time. Um, but yes, I definitely, I mean, PCT, it just opened up this whole world, right? Where you're, you just can't imagine your life without through hiking anymore. Um, I would love to hike all the trails, all the trails. Uh, I was going to actually, after the PCT, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just go do the CT, hike the Colorado trail. I'm going to be there anyway. Um, but it wasn't really ideal timing. Um, I think, I mean, I would love to hike them all. I'd love to hike the CDT, uh, I know that a lot of the trail family I hiked with the blob, they like half of them have hiked the AT. So for them to do the CDT would, would be for them to complete their triple crown. So they might all be starting together, which I might jump in on, who knows, um, which would be a funny reunion if we decided to hike the CDT all together. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are so many trails out there. Uh, and again, you know, United States, uh, you know, marriage green card proposals, those are open. Um, you can find my email. Uh, so let me know people out there. So one last question before we wrap up and thank you so much for coming out here. It it means the world, uh, in your videos, you talk about a sense of connection you felt with yourself the outdoors and the people around you. And you quote this proverb that says, it is the people, it is the people, it is the people. Mm. How has hiking changed your connection with people? Mm. It's an interesting one. I think, you know, when you come back from any kind of experience like this, you feel like you have, you know, gone through so much. You've experienced you know, 10 lifetimes in the space of four and a half months. And you feel like you've experienced so much growth. 
And when you come back to the relationships you've had for so many years and you feel like, you know, they haven't had that experience in the time mm-hmm. you have, it's difficult in a sense to reconnect. I feel like when I first got back, it was this feeling of, okay, I've done so much growth. It's time for me to go somewhere else or, you know, into that new chapter and again, completely restart somewhere. But what I learned quite quickly is that, you know, there, there's a reason why you've kept and maintained these incredible relationships for so many years. It's because these are the people that kind of reflect who you are and keep you grounded. I think from it, I just recognize that, you know, these relationships are so important. They'll have your back in the ro- complete roller coaster of life, right? Mm-hmm. And you just can't take them for granted as well. Uh, I also learned that, you know, you can connect with a lot of different people. And I think I realized that I want to put myself out there more and, you know, meet more people and meet people from complete different uh, places, Um, even being at home, because you get comfortable in your little bubble of friends, but there are so many other people out there to meet and you don't necessarily need to be traveling or through hiking to, you know, meet these different Mm -hmm. people. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I learned. (laughs) Well, Elena, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you've inspired a lot of people to not not to not maybe not go and go on a through hike. I know for me and my son you have, but also just to get out and and connect with people and connect with people in the outdoors. And um, your your filmmaking truly is inspirational. So thank you so much. Where can people reach you online? Um, support you online. Uh, so uh, I've got my YouTube channel, Elena Osborne. Uh, I've got my Instagram, which is Eleanor Osborne without the O. Don't ask me why. That's it. Um, and I have started a Patreon. I think I am trying to build more into short term making YouTube more of a full time thing, you know, for this mm-hmm. period of my life. Uh, so there's that. There's also, you know, my website, which is elenaosborne.com, um, you can. I've got an old film on there that some people have watched, completely not to do with the trail. And yeah, green card marriage proposals go to my email address, which you can also find on my website. So um, yeah, that's 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 where you can find me. Thank you so much, Elena. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to that interview and that conversation we had with Elena. If you want to know more about what she does, you can support her on Patreon, uh, follow her on Instagram, subscribe to her YouTube channel, or go to her website. Uh, All that information is in the description of this episode. And uh, if you're on somewhere where you can't get the description, just go to hikerpodcast.com. Click on podcast there. Description's all there. Click on all the links to your heart's desire. Elena, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time and what you've done to inspire so many in the hiking community. Again, everyone, thanks for listening. Super excited to be talking to a cross-country biker and through-hiker Einstein next week. And then the following week, we have another amazing episode planned. We'll announce who that's going to be next week as well. If you have any suggestions or contacts or know of anyone who would like to be on the show, we're looking not only for hikers, but people in the outdoor spaces talking about public lands and and, and preservation of trails and that sort of thing. If you have a story, we want to hear it. So just uh, email me, Andy at hikerpodcast.com. With that, guys, uh, thanks to you so much. And I hope you found this conversation with Elena um, just intellectually stimulating as well as just inspirational as I know she's inspired me and so many other hikers and creators with that guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the hiker podcast. <laughs>